You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Today, we're going to jump into the vision series, back into the vision series, and uh, today we're talking about mission. And so two weeks ago, Zach talked about gospel, and in that sermon, he had this point, that humans are made right with God by humbling themselves before God and casting themselves upon his mercy as expressed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So basically, we're not saved by our own works, and we cannot earn our own salvation. And then last week, Zach talked about community. He talked about because of the gospel, we're called into community, and because of the gospel, we can't think of ourselves more highly than anyone else in our community, and it takes a lot of humility in the community experience. And so this week, if you're following along, our wall on the right brings us to mission. And mission refers to our mission as Christians. This is the thing that Jesus wants us to do when we follow him. It's our mission, it's our goal, it's our objective. And so our objective as Christians is pretty straightforward. It says at the end of Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so we're going to get to this passage in Matthew soon. Uh, We're in our sermon series. It's just a few short weeks away. And so we'll dive into this passage more deeply then. But for now, suffice to say that our missions as Christians is to tell people about Jesus. And for those who want to follow Jesus, we help them follow him better. And that's easy, right? And it's at this point that I feel it is very important to tell you that I am not the right person to be preaching the mission sermon today. I'm sure some of you, uh, to some of you, this sounds like false humility. You think, oh, Houston, you're so spiritual. You're so great. And thank you for thinking that. I appreciate that. But no, the, the truth, the honest to goodness truth is that I am not good at this. In fact, sometimes I feel like I'm on a reality TV show like some alternate version of punk where instead of Ashton Kutcher pranking celebrities, it's just videos of me trying to talk to people about Jesus. And this, so a few months ago, and this is, guys, this is true. A few months ago, I was working at Starbucks, and I have a customer come in. It's very early in the morning. And he's got what I think is like his Bible under his arm like this, right? And so, after, of like five, after like five minutes of me working myself up to finally talk to him about this, you know, I hand him his drink, and I say, oh, where are you reading that today? And he looks at me, gives me kind of a strange look. I'm thinking, it's early in the morning, he's got his Bible, he's getting coffee, he's having his Bible study at a coffee shop. You know, this feels really, this makes sense to me. And he, and he looks at me, He says, what? And so I'm flustered. And I look at him, and instead of, you know, explaining what I meant, like a sane person, I just point under his arm and say louder, where are you reading at today? And and he pauses, and he looks mortified at this point. 
And he says, 110. And I stare at him, and he's staring at me. I say, what? After a moment, he says, did you just ask me what my blood sugar level is at? (laughs) Because it turns out he didn't have a Bible under his arm. It was a notebook. And while I was looking away making his drink, he took his blood sugar level and wrote it down in his notebook. And so he thought that me, a stranger working at a coffee shop, was pointing at his notebook and saying, what is your blood sugar level at today? And I wish I could tell you this was a joke, but this is 100% true. This is 100% what happened to me. And so when I say I'm not the person to preach today, I'm so serious about that. And so my hope in, in telling this story, my hope is that you can see that I'm not an expert on this. Not by any stretch. And... My goal is that all of us, myself included, can just come to this subject of mission humbly today. Because my guess is that not a lot of us are experts at in evangelism and in engaging the mission of Jesus. And so instead of me standing up here acting like I'm the expert here, I'm going to tell you what it's all about. We're just going to come to the word and we're going to approach it humbly and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about all of this. And so to do that, we're going to turn to Matthew eleven twenty five through 30. And we're going to read Jesus' words again and be reminded of how they play into our mission as believers. And what we're going to see today is, is two things about mission. First, we're going to see that people are going to think that we're weird, or worse. And the second thing we're going to see is that Jesus is good news for hurting people. So we're going to see that people are going to think we're weird or worse, And that Jesus is good news for hurting people. So let's pray real quick. Father, I am just uh, painfully aware of how much I fall short here, Lord. And so I just pray that as we approach your word, that you would speak to us, that uh, your will would be done here. Lord, we love you, and we desire to be people who speak more about you and speak better about you, Lord. And we just pray that you would be here uh, now we're sitting under your word and that you would move in your spirit and stir things in our hearts and, and move us towards boldness and action, Lord, uh, for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's jump into our text. Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 through 30. This is going to sound familiar. We were here, uh, well, it's probably been a year or so now uh, in our sermon series. But it says this. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So first I want to focus on this first part, where Jesus says, you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. 
Jesus is talking about the upside-down nature of the kingdom. So when he says these things, meaning turning away from sin and following Jesus, being saved by the gospel, it's something that doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. He says that the wise don't get it, but the kids do. And if we think back to two weeks ago, the gospel uh, vision sermon, this kind of makes sense, right? This gospel is an upside-down story where the king comes and dies for the commoner and gives everything because of love. And ultimately, this story that we believe in is weird. It's, it's kind of backwards, right? Shouldn't the citizens die for the king? Or shouldn't the servant serve the master? But instead, we see in the gospel the story of a creator, the rightful king of the universe, coming to live among us and serving us, and ultimately dying for us. And so not only that, it's a story of a God who made the whole world and sustains it still. And our God has power over creation. Jesus healed people, turned water into wine, fed people. In his greatest miracle, he rose from the dead. And we believe that because of this, because of this thing that happened, we will also rise from the dead one day with Jesus. And so I want us to think about our culture today. Think about Madison, Wisconsin. How many of these things that I just said sound cool to the average person that we run across? The average person on the street. A creator that we're responsible to? No. Jesus being God incarnate? No way. Just a man. Jesus dying on the cross and taking away the sins of the world? No, that's cruel and unusual punishment. Our creator living among us and telling us how to live? No way. That's my job. Do you see what I'm getting at? The world around us, this story, or to the world around us, the story that we believe is buck wild. Miracles? A right way to live? A creator we're accountable to? These things do not fly around here, right? So when Jesus says that the Father reveals these things to the children and hides them from the wise, this is what he means. Madison, Wisconsin, by all accounts, is a wise city, right? This is a good city to live in. But we have to recognize that this type of wisdom is like a worldly type of wisdom, and that worldly wisdom does not always match up to God's wisdom. Sometimes it's opposed to it. And so the question is, are we willing to be thought of as weird or unwise for believing what we believe? And now I don't want you to hear me say that we believe in unreasonable things. This makes a lot of sense. I don't think that for a second. Obviously, I don't believe that because I'm up here preaching about it. We can be confident that Jesus lived and died and then rose again in the first century. And we can be confident that the people who wrote down that story, the authors of the gospel, did it faithfully. When we look at the world around us, and we say, I believe that the God that Jesus talked about made all of this, this is a reasonable thing to believe. I don't want anyone to walk away from this thinking that I think we believe in something unreasonable. I don't. We believe in something rational, something that makes sense, something firm enough to build our lives on. And what I'm saying is that to the world, 
to the people around us, this story is kind of weird. People are going to tell us that. People are going to tell us that it's weird. And we have to be ready for that. We have to be ready to be called weird or worse. Jesus says that the wise don't understand this. And what do people who think that they're wise say to people that they think are not wise? They call them foolish. If wise people don't understand something, they call it foolishness. People who are wise, again, especially people who think that they're wise, think that if they don't understand it, it can't be understood. It's foolishness. So we, as Jesus' followers, have to be prepared to be called as much. Think back to the average person on the streets of Madison. They're probably not only going to think that we're weird for believing what we believe. They might think we're foolish. You can practically hear them saying, you think God made all of this? That's so dumb. We know how the world came to be. We know science. And of course, I would say, yeah, and our God made science. Like, this seems really easy, straightforward, right? But the ship has sailed. It's too late. Someone thinks that we're foolish. And if you're like me, that hurts. It's a painful experience for me, for somebody to think that I'm foolish. And especially if they treat me like one. And maybe you're like me and you struggle with this too. Maybe, like me, this is why you're not good at evangelism. That's why it's hard for me. If I'm honest, sometimes I'm worried that people will think that I'm silly or foolish for what I believe. Even though I am so convinced it's true. Even though the smartest people I've ever met in this world believe what I believe. Even though I've seen the gospel transform lives time and time again, turn people who are addicted to drugs into functioning people who love the Lord. Even though I believe that what the Bible is the inspired word of God. Even though when I pray, I believe that the Lord of the universe is listening to what I say. And the list goes on and on. Even though I'm convinced that all this is true, and I think it is very reasonable and rational to think that, I'm worried. Not that I'm wrong. I'm not worried that I'm wrong. I'm worried that somebody else will think I'm wrong. And that is so messed up, right? And so I hope you're not like me in this. But if you are here, here are some thoughts that I have. Here's what I think. I think that we have to be ready to be called foolish. And I know it's easier said than done, right? It takes a lot of humility to be able to receive that. It takes a lot of confidence to be able to walk around and have people around you think that you're wrong. And it takes a lot of grounding to stand on that firm foundation, especially when people are taking pot shots at it. So here are my two thoughts. First, we have to ask, is Jesus worth being thought of as foolish? And of course, my answer to this is yes. It's a big yes. Jesus is so worth it, in fact. In fact, we see that in his life. I'm sorry, Jesus is so worth it. And in fact, we see that in his life. 
He was called as much as we were, as we are, foolish, weird. He was called all kinds of names, and worse. And we see that he is worth it. And so let's keep turning back to that story. Let's keep remembering how worth it he is. Let's keep reading about Jesus and seeing that he is worth this. Let's keep remembering all the times that we saw him healing people. Let's remember all the times we saw him feeding people, casting out demons, caring for the poor and needy, fixing people's lives, calling people to repentance, calling people to something greater, living amongst the lowest and the least. The list goes on. Let's spend time in that story and remember this Jesus who is worth it. That he is worth being called a fool. And second, let's ask the Lord to transform our hearts in this. I'm sure at this point, you're probably sick of me hearing me say, let's read the Bible and pray to God. But there's a reason. There's a reason I keep coming back to this. We believe that the Lord, the creator of the universe, who made everything and made us, listens to us when we come to him in prayer. And so let's take advantage of that. Let's remember this story about him. Let's remember what we've heard. And let's come to him in prayer and ask him to transform us. And the goal is that when we're a place where we can stand being called fools or, or thought poorly of, then we can start to bring this good news about Jesus to the world. Because, friends, we have got to remember that it is just that. It is good news. And that's the second thing I want to focus on in this passage. The good news of Jesus. So I want to talk about why the story of Jesus is such good news, and why we want to share that news. And first of all, when I say good news, sometimes we can get in a space where when we hear good news, we think of news of things that are good, like, like news of babies being born, or people coming home from the hospital. This is good news. This is good to hear. But the kind of good news we're talking about today is, is different. This is the kind of news that you tell a dying person for hope. Imagine, imagine, you know, there's two of us, and we're on a boat in the storm. We get knocked off the boat, and we're in the waters. The storm is raging. You're drowning. So when they throw a life preserver ring over the side, and it lands near me, and I shout to you, they have saved us. That is good news. That is good news that affects what we're doing and saves us. And that is the kind of life-saving news that we have in Jesus. If you've been in church for any period of time, you've probably heard this before. And you're probably thinking, yeah, Jesus is great. The gospel is great. We're saved. But hear me out. See what Jesus said in our text? He didn't just say, come to me and I'll save your souls. That would have been good. That would have been great. He didn't just say, this thing is a spiritual thing. That would have been good. If, he, if he'd said that, that would have been good. No, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, Jesus isn't just offering to save our souls and walk away. Yes, he does save us. And because of what he did, we have confidence that we'll see him again. But it's more than that. What we see here is the promise that a life of following Jesus is the better way to live. Rest 
for our souls, is what he says. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Jesus is offering more than just salvation. He is offering us rest for our souls. And and think back to that average person on the street again, the one that was scoffing at us earlier. Think about how much unrest they feel. They believe that this world is just a product of natural events with no creator, no divine person that we are accountable to. And when they watch the news, they think the world is spinning out of control. There's war, poverty, injustice, murder, terrorism, racism. I mean, as good as things are in Madison, we were just talking about, I think the average person feels like life is out of control. When they watch the news, they see more proof that things are getting worse, not better. Even though on paper it may seem like life is better, people feel like the world is out of control. What does that mean? I think it means that they feel loss and pain and suffering on a spiritual level, and that they are weary and burdened. This person feels overwhelmed by what is happening in the world and feels powerless against it. And the best that they can do is try to live a happy life, try to carve out their little slice of happiness, while this giant rock that we live on spins into the sun. And man, that's, that's sad, isn't it? A life marked by chasing pleasure in order to chase away the fear and pain is a miserable life. A life characterized by selfishness, if only to keep at bay these, meaning, these feelings of meaninglessness and emptiness, this is a miserable life. Do you get what I'm getting at here? I think that people are so burdened by what is going on around them, especially the things happening to them, they have no idea what to do about it. And the truth is that we do. Or more accurately, we know the one who does. See, see what Jesus says here. Verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Some of your translations are going to say weary. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus promises us that following him, that living the way that he's called us to live, is the true way to find rest for our souls. His promise is that if we trade this burden of the self-centered life for his burden, the burden of faithfulness to Jesus and following him, even though it feels like we're trading one burden for another, one yoke for another, the truth is is that we're taking on something so much lighter. His promise here is that by following him, by submitting our lives to him, we will gain so much more than we lose. We will find rest. We will find hope. We'll find meaning and purpose for our lives. And friends, what I want us to see today is that the people around us, the world, needs this news so desperately. People are desperate for meaning. I think that's why we see activism at such a high right now. I think people are desperate for community. 
And that's why we see social media so huge right now. People are desperate for a connection to something greater than them. And I think that's why we see things like astrology and spirituality, abstract spirituality at a high. Friends, the world around us is broken. People around us are broken and hurting. And as much as it may seem like that average person on the streets of Madison is doing okay and has their life together, I truly believe that they are hurting and hopeless that we know the Savior Jesus who loves them and has promised to give them healing and hope. This call to evangelism is not just a call to go around convincing people to follow Jesus. Evangelism is not the call to go around beating people over the heads with Bibles. The call to evangelism is, the spread, is a call to spread the good news of Jesus the creator of the universe who didn't stay far off, but instead came to us. The good news that Jesus lived and died for us and rose from the dead so that we could too. The good news that this same Jesus called out to the people around him and said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the good news. So as we think about what this looks like in our lives today, what it looks like to be on mission for Jesus, I just want to encourage us with a few thoughts. First of all, I want to remind us that Jesus is not calling us to convince or coerce or pressure or force people to him. Like I say, he doesn't want us to go around beating people over the heads of the Bibles. He wants us Present the good news to them. In other words, share the gospel with them. And leave the rest up to him. You already said at the beginning, no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. So in other words, God is the one doing all the work here in people's lives. We are only called to show up and be faithful. It's not up to you, and it's not up to me, to fix people, fix the world, to save them. This is the Lord's work. We are only called to faithfully present the gospel and leave the rest to the Lord. The second thing I want to encourage us with this, it's easy to think that we're not equipped for this. It's easy for me to think, I don't know what I'm doing. What if I don't know the answers to the questions they're going to ask? What if this person is smarter than me and they think that I'm stupid? But again, the truth is it's not up to us to know it all, to have all the answers. We are just called to show up and be faithful. And so, we can trust that the Lord can use even the ramblings of someone like me to do his will. In fact, so the story I told earlier, where I accidentally asked the guy about his blood sugar levels, I ended up telling that story to some of my coworkers because I thought it was funny. Miserable and embarrassing, but funny. And so I told some of my coworkers, you know, making fun of myself and, and the situation, trying to get them to laugh too, and they did, and it was embarrassing. Uh, but eventually, when the laughing stopped, some people start to ask questions. One person in particular asked me if I was very religious. I said, I guess so, yeah. 
And he starts asking me more questions about my faith, like, does your faith help you every day while you're at work? Uh, does believing in Jesus make it easier to get through the day? Do I do you believe in this and that? Just all kinds of things like that. And honestly, I wish I could tell you that at the end of the story, you know, someone came to faith in Jesus, and, and that hasn't happened yet. But what I can tell you is that it's clear to me that this moment of my humility and embarrassment and acting like a fool was a door that the Lord opened to conversation about him. And it's not because I was so smart or because I had the perfect response prepared or because I am so well-trained in evangelism. It was because he is good. and He will work through foolish people like me. Friends, you don't have to have all the answers. You won't. I don't. Nobody does. No one has all the answers. The best thing that we can do is show people the one who does, Jesus. And so let's keep that in mind as we go out from here. And let's try to share this good news about Jesus. Let's remember that it's not about us being perfect in presenting Jesus. It's about us presenting the perfect Jesus. Father, we just thank you that you're good. We thank you that you have sent your word to us, that you've given your word to us, and that in Jesus we see hope for new life. We see love for us. We see good news in the gospel, Lord. And I just pray that we could be people who shares the good news. I pray that as we go from here, Lord, that you would be glorified, that people would come to know you and to know the gift of life that you have through them. And that people can know that that this way of following Jesus is the better life. That we have hope, that we have meaning, that we have purpose. I pray that for us today, that we can feel those things because of the gospel. And I pray that we could, again, share that with those around us. Show your love to them. I thank you, Lord, for everything you give us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.